Champions of Psychology is meant as education and entertainment. It is not a substitute for medical advice or professional counseling. Discussion of mental health topics will be primarily rooted in research and the personal experiences and self-disclosures of the hosts. While we can provide generalized education and possible mental health resources, we cannot offer any recommendations, advice, or opinions for any specific persons, cases, or situations. We provide these resources and links at our sole discretion, but have not necessarily vetted or reviewed any resource. We assume no liability for the use of the information or resources on these sites, and we encourage you to use your own best judgment. Hello, and welcome to Champion Psychology, a show with the goal of openly talking about mental health and gaming presented by Codename Entertainment and TakeThis.org. Every Tuesday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time here on Twitch.tv slash CND Games or later on your favorite podcast service. Be <laughs> We, I, wrong choice. B. The wrong, wrong B. B. Wrong B. Meet your Jordan and Raphael Bucamazzo, a.k.a. Dr. B, talk about mental health and how gaming affects us. Uh, if you're here with us live in the chat, you can leave a question that I, Trevor Bettis, will ask them later in the show. And today's topic is normal experiences versus diagnoses. Uh, but before we get to that, who are you to find folks who are not B. Dave Walters for the folks who may not know? <laughs> Well, I'm actually B. Dave Walters, <laughs> and if you can't say the name, you clearly aren't. But I'm actually him in disguise. I'm, I'm a lot shorter. Um, I have so more much. hair. So much shorter. <laughs> I, I, no. I, I am so much shorter than that man. <laughs> B. Dave's an entire head taller than me. Oh, God. Yep. <laughs> well, I, I sort of contract and stretch myself. What can I tell you? But no. <laughs> Fantastic. Right. I'm obviously... Mitra Jordan. Um, I have a private practice, a private psychotherapy and counseling practice in Victoria, BC. I work with individuals, uh, couples, basically um, anyone who would like some mental health support and help can come and see me. And, you know, we'll discuss what they're dealing with and whether that's within a normal I don't even know what normal is, but you know what I mean? A range that is I don't know what normal versus... is after we introduce the title of this episode. <laughs> <laughs> right? It's a problem. But a, a manageable range versus, you know, get some extra support, possibly some medication for what you're experiencing, right? So. And who is the, the, this other fine fellow? Hi, I'm Timothy Omenson. <laughs> you might remember me from such shows as Gallivant. And Psych. <laughs> and Psych. <laughs> And no, if you're I, really paying attention, the Disney Channel original movie, Luck of the Irish. But anywho. <laughs> hey, everybody. I'm uh, Rafael Bocamazzo, better known as Dr. V for long Italian name reasons. And uh, I'm a clinical psychologist in Washington State, the clinical director at uh, TakeThis.org, which was uh, when we were founded in 2014, the first mental health nonprofit to serve the game community. I'm an expert on the applied use of tabletop RPGs, and I am not B. Dave Walters. <laughs> that we know of. Um <laughs> <laughs> We've been in the in same disguise. chat at the same Come time. On. It's true. Fair. I, I do want to point you it out. You could replicate that, uh, yourself, though. The, 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 the mods put in our uh, our question doc uh, that Mitra and Dr. B are not flipped. Hey, go me. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, so so nor what do we, I, I, I mean, I guess we should start this off the way that we normally do with this. What do we mean when we say normal experiences versus diagnosis? Uh, Mitra, you want to lead this one off? No, no. Yeah, it's all yours. Okay. <laughs> 
Well, okay. So it's, it's a lot of people get worried about having a mental health diagnosis because partially because I, I think that we, we, we still tend to over stigmatize and over pathologize um, the significance of having a diagnosis as a concept. Um, while at the same time, they, there's a lot of expressions that we hear all the time. Like, Oh, well, we all have a little blank. We all have a little, oh, blank. we God. all have a little ADHD. No, we don't. Nope. Um, we all have a little autism. No, we don't. We all have a little OCD. No, you know, we don't. And yeah. it's, and it, it really behooves us to, to understand like what's the difference between normal experiences, which may very well be significant and distressing mm-hmm. versus something that raises to the level of some sort of clinical label, whether it's a neurodevelopmental condition, whether it's a mental health diagnosis, whether any of that stuff, there is, there is kind of a threshold in terms of how it impacts us that differentiates between fairly typical, if distressing experiences and a mental health diagnosis. And we, we just we want to talk about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It does make because me think of, we a, get asked. Oh, go ahead. sorry. No, no, you got, you have a more important thing to say. I was going to say a joke. You got no, it. no, no, no. <laughs> I like the idea of a joke, but um, I was going to say, this is something that as mental health professionals, we get asked a lot. And mm-hmm. so it seems like we should share what we can about it here. Absolutely. That's all I was going to say. The joke's better. <laughs> no. Well, what, what I was going to bring was uh, was my 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 wife when she was in college was taking some psychology classes and it was the first day the teacher was saying, "Okay, just so you all know, you all are going to think you have everything that we talk about ever in this class." <laughs> I don't know what that's like. Uh, um, at all. No, definitely didn't do that in my psychopathology classes at all. No, not at all. No, it's good. <laughs> Yeah. And you study abnormal psych and good luck to you after that, oh, right? God. You know? <laughs> Feeling yeah. a little hostile. Oh, God. Oh, God. We, Does that mean I've... <laughs> well, okay. Part of the, re- part of the reason for that is because you know, a lot of mental health symptoms and a lot of the... Mar- and if you, let's, let's call them markers, okay? Mm-hmm. Because we're, we're talking about both neurodevelopmental conditions like autism and ADHD. And there's a movement to, the, to separate those out from other things like depression and anxiety. And if you've listened to the show before uh, long enough, you've heard me say this, my autism is like my operating system. I'm Linux in a windows world, my depression and anxiety. Those are malware. And there, so there's a difference there. So let's talk about this in terms of markers of Mm -hmm. a, a label. So the, some of those markers examined in isolation can be kind of routine experiences like we all get yeah. anxious true um, yeah. but but there's a difference between that and an anxiety disorder yeah right and part of it is consistency frequency and life events so for instance um you can't really you couldn't couldn't accurately diagnose major depressive disorder if someone's in the midst of a bereavement process They've had someone close to them die. They're going to be feeling depressed and it would be bizarre if they didn't. Right. If Mm -hmm. it's somebody they really care about, you know, not that terrible person who you never had an easy time with or who was abusive to you in childhood. But, you know, you might feel relief anyway. But let's stay with just you're going to feel grieving and that's a bereavement process. 
And it's going to look a lot like major depressive disorder or depression for a little while. So it's partly persistence, um, you know, through those life events, seeing if that behavior is consistent and persistent over time. Mm -hmm. Well, and and one of the things uh, I so this is one of the more popular trainings that uh, take this gives is that we, we colloquially call it mental health 101. That we give this to studio game studios all the time and part of mm-hmm. their wellness initiatives. And they it, one of the things that we talk about is that all of these conditions are a whole constellation mm-hmm. of markers. Okay. Yeah. It's no one thing. And we we talk about major depressive disorder a lot because it's it's sometimes referred to as the quote common cold of mental health, um, which is a little dismissive given yep. its impact. But absolutely, there's nine different markers of major depressive disorder of which you must meet five or more. Mm-hmm. So it's not just being sad for a while. There's more to it than that. Yeah. So, so why do we do this? <laughs> like, why? Why is this something that happens where we, you know, hear a tidbit about something and then go, I have that. Well, I think, you know, in general, we're social creatures, humans, and we can usually uh, connect with a lot of people's different experiences. And in that connection and that empathy, we certainly can see examples in our own life where we may have felt some of whatever it is. And from there, it's easy sometimes to extrapolate that we must have experienced this too. But again, it's a question of degrees. But that's one of the reasons. And then, of course, it's quite normal to experience some level of anxiety mm-hmm. and to worry, therefore, that I, I must be dealing with this as well. And we also fail to consider life events, um, which can impact us. And there can be much more anxiety around certain life events. I mean, right before we started today, we were talking about 2020 and, you know, how people were feeling about COVID in, in March. And, you know, I wouldn't look at that and say, oh, I must clearly have, you know, really major issues with anxiety. Because in general, not saying you don't or you do, but in general, a lot of people would have been feeling very anxious at that time. Yeah. And lack of control in their lives and isolation and all of that. So, you know, just keeping in mind that sometimes those life events can also create what looks like um, a mental health disorder or symptom. Well, there's also we we're pre, we love control. We love predictability. We love to we love to understand patterns about the world. And if we can find a if we find a solid reason for why we're experiencing something, I mean, how many of us if we type in like why into the Google chat bar, oh, I mean, Lord. how many different whys are you going to get? People want to feel understood and we want to understand what's going on around us. And if we mm-hmm. can condense that into a tiny, if we can condense that into a tiny label, awesome. It, it gives predictability. I, I just, just for the, the, experiment of it i actually went to google and typed in why and my favorite question is why were chainsaws invented but that's a question for another episode uh (laughs) so yeah it 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 seems like it's like 
you hear about some something going on that could be like a uh, mental disability or something like that, and you hear one part of it because, like you were saying, the constellation of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I I I think most of the time people only kind of hear about or read about one aspect of those, and when that lines up with something that they've done, it's like, oh, I might have that. Mm-hmm. Um, but wh- I mean, th- this is going to sound like a very obvious uh, question, but I- I'm still going to ask you: Is what is wrong with that? Well, you're not taking you know the full context into account, and um, taking taking um, symptoms out of the broader perspective. You know, the because as uh, as Dr. B was saying, you know, there are nine different markers for major depressive disorder and you need to meet five of them. And I would argue you need to meet at least five of them for longer than, say, two weeks. Mm -hmm. You know, that's generally what what we would be looking for. Um, And so if you had a bad day or even a tough week and there's no other factors like a recent death or or a um, a reactivation of say post traumatic stress or any of those other pieces you might be experiencing. It's really hard to make sense of what you're experiencing if you take it out of context like that. Yeah, it, it's it. <sighs> It, it, I, I'm thinking back to my own grad school days where I, I got very anxious every week mm. about something new. And it, it seems silly. Like there, there is a, a usually childhood based uh, diagnosis called PICA mm. where some, where people will, will routinely or pervasively eat non-nutritious and or strange materials like dirt or cloth or stuff like that and you know i remember i remember have you have i ever done that in my life yes was it on a dare that involved like a hundred dollars thrown on the bar table yes (laughs) did i get that money no oh Uh, (laughs) listen listen Okay, but it, but at the time I was like, have, have you ever ingested foreign substances? I was like, yeah, uh, I attempted it. I, I attempted it. But the extenuating circumstances that Mitra's talking about is the fact that one, I was 24 and impulsive. <laughs> Two, there was a hundo thrown down on the table. All right. <laughs> You had and you were provoked. I was I was justified, <laughs> Your Honor. And it, there's there's cult, that that's a, I would argue a culturally relevant con- context given I was 24 and amongst my yeah. my boneheaded guy friends. And so and also let's bring in developmental context, okay? I was um, 24, impulsive, <laughs> and amongst my boneheaded guy friends. Exactly, exactly. Any more, and we wouldn't consider that, you know, a disorder of pica any more than we would consider it a an issue with pica if your infant or toddler decides to eat sand, okay? Mm-hmm. Because because some things, it's not great, but it's developmentally expected and not <laughs> inappropriate. If I said to any of you, "Hey, do you know what carpet tastes like?" <laughs> I bet you could tell me. And it's not because 
you have a disorder. It's Maybe. because you all sucked or licked on a carpet at one point or another. The, then there's the 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 kid that you know the the infamous story of kids eating glue or play doh in uh, it's salty. I know what play doh tastes like I, exactly. Okay. Re- real That's talk. Scene too. Real talk. I vividly remember looking over and seeing a kid just taking that blue play doh. And eat it. And I walked totally. over to that kid, and instead of shaming him, I was like, "Okay, but what did it taste like?" <laughs> right? I'm curious. I ain't gonna do it though. <laughs> Play-Doh at least was in in my day. Uh, Play-Doh had a slightly salty taste to it, but it was gritty. <laughs> <laughs> but it. But that's the, okay. And first of all, that that's a single that's a single time, yeah. and it was contextually relevant. One of the things I, I remember learning in undergrad. Um, and this is, this is not a hard and fast rule, but these are, these are good things to think about when I'm, if I'm concerned that something, something, uh, might be of such significance that it could be considered a mental health condition. Um, and those are the four D's. Um, and those are deviance from the norm. Is it different than what's, what we're expecting people to do in a given situation? Is it distressing to self or others is it causing dysfunction in the per- in a person's ability to live their life as expected is it dangerous to self or others and you know if you think about those things it, one at a time people can be deviant from the norm and still very functional anybody anybody who's ever pioneered a new way of doing something is deviant from the norm but once you start combining a couple of them, that's when I start mm-hmm. to raise an eyebrow. Like, mm-hmm. is this both, is this different from the norm? Is this causing distress and dysfunction? Well, then that's, that might be a different matter. Mm-hmm. Um, well, b- before getting to, you know, what to, to do about that, like I was saying, like the, the bad stuff about it and the and Dr. B you had brought up, you know, people saying like, Oh, I'm a little uh, ADHD. I'm a little OCD. What kind of repercussions does this have? No, no, this is Mitra's soapbox. You just, you do you. Okay? <laughs> it's true. <laughs> I know, right. So here's the problem with that. First of all, you're minimizing someone's very real pain and symptoms. You know, if someone says to you, I just got diagnosed with autism, right? And they're struggling to make sense of what this means in their life or who, who, you know, they're uh, figuring out who they are all over again in the context of that. And you say, oh, well, we're all a little bit autistic sometimes. Can you see how that diminishes their experience, minimizes it? And then it's not true that we're all a little bit autistic sometimes because Again, we might have a behavior that looks like this, but isn't coming from that place. It has a different context. It has a different meaning. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's really unfortunate because we need to support each other and take each other's experiences and diagnoses seriously. Mm-hmm. And no, when someone says that they've been diagnosed with depression or anxiety, turning around and saying, well, I feel some anxiety, A, don't insert yourself in their context because it doesn't actually help them feel that you're empathic. Yeah. You could, if you want to draw on your experience of anxiety, ask questions, stay supportive, but recognize that if someone is working through something or shares a diagnosis with you, 
minimizing it um, isn't the way to go. And saying you've experienced it too is minimizing it in some ways as well. Yeah, unless, unless you, you have. also have a diagnosis and then saying, you know what, I, I get it. I got diagnosed last year or whatever it is. I, how, you know, how can I support you? Right. So mm-hmm. uh, I'm autistic, too. I was also diagnosed late in life. Here's what I experienced. Is this similar to what you're going through? That's a very different conversation than, hey, we're all a little awkward sometimes. Ugh. Right. And and it, I, I see this particularly right now with OCD. I see it yep. coming out with like he's a little OCD or yep. she's a little OCD. And I find I that extremely dismissive. And um, and I also think it's demeaning. And what if someone is dealing with OCD? Why are we pathologizing people? Yeah. Because and, and even saying I'm a little OCD. OK, if this is the thought that's crossed your mind, if these are some behaviors you're worried about, get it checked out. Yeah. You know, so what one of my one of my sisters has OCD. And um, anytime she hears someone joking, say, I'm just a little OCD. She goes, OK, what are your rituals? Yeah. yeah. Uh, and, and gets really real with them because like ah, it's, not, you, it's not cool. You don't 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 say that. Um, no. Yeah. The I, impact of real OCD is so significant. Yeah. It is so beyond just being picky. Yep. Yeah. The and uh, I, I mean like I I brought this up on the the ADHD episode of just uh, like we we saw it in our own very chat where it's like oh just focus more like you, you it's it, everyone gets uh, you know everyone forgets things from time to time and it's like no this is a different thing the, just because you forgot your car keys once and I forgot it for three months straight uh, does not equal. <laughs> Uh, exactly and particularly with neurodiversity um these experiences are consistent and persistent throughout a lifetime they might show up in different ways but they aren't going anywhere and at points in my life i've had better tools for coping with adhd and at other points i've had to review how i'm coping with it so babylon ranger 2261 in the chat has a good one uh you wouldn't say i'm a little chicken pox too i was thinking on similar lines that's absolutely that's really good yeah you know uh, we're all a little short sometimes yeah (laughs) yeah no hey mitra that's okay we're all a little tall (laughs) some of us aren't (laughs) i'm no b dave i'm not any dr b either he's tall too (laughs) yeah Nobody knows that. Everybody <laughs> thinks I'm shorter than I am. I well, that. it's only because you're sitting down and you're the same height as the rest of us. Except yeah, it's great. A little bit taller over here. You know. Anyway. Yes. Um, um, so, um, actually, you know what? I think we're going to take a, uh, we're going to put a little disclaimer in here now uh, to, to switch over uh, a, a bit of conversation. So we're going to uh, remind yeah. our viewers and listeners of our disclaimer, and then we'll be right back to talk a little bit more about this topic. Stay right there. Champions of Psychology is meant as education and entertainment. It is not a substitute for medical advice or professional counseling. Discussion of mental health topics will be primarily rooted in research and the personal experiences and self-disclosures of the hosts. While we can provide generalized education and possible mental health resources, we cannot offer any recommendations, advice, or opinions for any specific persons, cases, or situations. We provide these resources and links at our sole discretion, but have not necessarily vetted or reviewed any resource. We assume no liability for the use of the information or resources on these sites, 
and we encourage you to use your own best judgment. Okay, so uh, now we've talked about, you know, thinking that you have something and whatnot. Oh, actually, there was one other thing that I wanted to bring up. Haha, I remembered. Um, this is something that I asked you both uh, before the show that I thought was interesting to talk about was, you know, there is you know, another one of those uh, medical terms that gets kind of thrown around is like, oh, you've just got a little bit of this, which is uh, mm. what was originally called a hypochondriac disorder or whatever the, the original wording was for it, where you would think that, you know, you were sick all the time or had something and whatnot. I'm not at all familiar with that in any way, shape or form. Um, is there a version of that with uh, uh, mental health? So we talked about um, illness anxiety disorder, right? And or generally health anxiety. So anxiety can attach to a lot of things. I think illness related anxiety or illness anxiety disorder is specific, right? Where we tend to, this was what we used to be called um, hypochondriasis, which I can't say correctly. Uh, I get tripped up on that too. Is a hypochondriasis? Right? So it's being a hypochondriac, which is a term that now would be kind of pathologizing, but illness, illness-related anxiety tends to be around just that. But health anxiety can be more general. So for example, health anxiety can have to do with, I need to eat right. Um, it can have to do with, oh God, my blood pressure seems high or I'm not sleeping well. Right. So it can attach to a more broad range of behaviors and feelings um, that come up. You know, it can be worry about um, I'm out. What if I need a washroom? What's happening with my stomach? Right. Now, yeah. some of that could be associated with actual physical disorders that you're struggling with. And so certain kinds of anxiety repeat, right? I ate this thing. I was very nauseous. I'm really worried about that, for example. Um, or it can just be kind of out of the blue. Someone else is having a specific kind of experience around their health. You start to worry that that might be you. And of course, at these times, Google is not your friend. No. You know, at all. I want to throw a counterpoint into that. Of course you do. <laughs> no, but you're not wrong, right? Because as soon as I said it, I thought, but wait a second, there's times. Well, okay. So, so th here's the thing. And this, this touches on something that's brought up, been brought up in the chat. And that's the idea of if you go see a medical provider or a mental health provider, because you're concerned that you might be experiencing something and doing a little research on what some of the symptoms might be, and then having a conversation with a medical or a mental health provider who's qualified to, to work with that stuff, that's a very different scenario mm -hmm. than, than someone who is so worried about a single disease or multiple health-related conditions that they're going into a physician. Like, I, I've, 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 I have colleagues who work with... Um, with illness related anxiety to a pretty extreme degree. And we're talking about people who will go to see their primary care physician, you know, once a week, multiple times a week, because that, because they're worried about different conditions that they read about what, what Mitra is talking about in terms of anxiety is there, there's, there's anxiety. And then there's anxiety, anxiety disorder. <laughs> Mm -hmm. um, there, it's such a big difference in terms of their impacts. There's picky 
And then there's being so anxious about intrusive thoughts that you create rituals that take hours of your day every day to initiate. There's being forgetful. And then there's being so forgetful so often that you can't function the way other people expect. Yeah. Mm -hmm. There's be, there's, I don't feel like leaving the house today to, I can't leave the house without all of these rituals in place first, or I can't leave the house at all. There's, I have a messy cupboard to I'm hoarding. Mm -hmm. Right. So Mm -hmm. we really do need to make sense of those so we can distinguish between them. Yeah. Right. And, and throwing around those casual adjectives, like Mitra and Trevor mentioned, I mean, that, that minimizes the experiences and also it can lead to additional guilt on the people who struggle with some of this stuff. Like um, just from my own perspective, when people, when I'm like, yeah, I'm autistic. Oh, honey, you're just selling yourself short. We're all a little awkward sometimes. Great, great, great. So now I'm going to get, now I'm going to start, now my depressive symptoms are going to start spinning out because somehow you're coping well and fitting in and not distressed about the same experience as I have. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. No, that sucks. I, and like, I, I, I will admit like when I was younger, like I totally did this when it came to anxiety. Cause I didn't understand what that meant. My, uh, really good friend's sister got diagnosed with, uh, anxiety disorder. And I was just like, Oh, you know, everybody's got anxiety, but, and then 2016 hit and I, my anxiety went through the roof and I got diagnosed with generalized anxiety disorder. And it was, I'm like, Oh no, that is completely different. I was a terrible freaking person for saying that, uh, th- right. this is not, this is not the anxiety you have of oh i'm gonna be a few minutes late to a meeting this is this is a complete other ball game yes yeah and so actually that's a really good point too because if somebody shares a diagnosis and tells you a bit about it and you have somehow an initial kind of hey but isn't that normal might be worth examining. (laughs) Again, the counterpoint to doesn't everyone is like, oh, hang on. I never never thought about that until just now. I've started doing that when it it comes to people's responses to my autism. Not out loud, though. No, these are the internal words that we call thoughts. Um, If I don't say it out loud, it's called thinking. But no, I've started thinking that when people, well, isn't that a normal experience? I'm like, oh, honey. (laughs) Oh, honey. (laughs) Ooh. Um, Ooh. You might want to talk to someone. (laughs) Well, okay. So speaking of talking to someone, what, at what point, you know, when, when, someone is just throwing around that nonchalant oh i'm just a little adhd like what point should you know besides you that's just not a great thing to say but like when should you think about like hey you know i make this joke a lot maybe i should actually get that checked out like what 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 do you think is an appropriate way to go about that like having a discussion with someone about where it's like, hey, I always make these, like, I, I think I might have this. Is it just going to a professional and saying, I think I have this? Or is there something more that should be done before that? I mean, it's not a bad idea to look into what the symptoms or the behaviors actually are. Mm-hmm. Right? This is where it's not just about randomly Googling things like, do I have brain tumors, right? Which, you know, unhelpful, but, uh, you know, but, it, but it's quite specific. <laughs> Am I calling you out? Listen, it's fine. Just keep going. <laughs> You're not alone. <laughs> uh, 
But I think that at that point, you're looking at something specific where you think, oh, you know, I might, I might actually have some of these behaviors. You know, what does that look like? What sorts of things? Like for me, actually, with, with ADHD, it kind of became, huh, I have all these tools in place to try and remember things. What's that about? You know, how did that? And just kind of looking at my own experience through the lens of possibly having ADHD, while at the same time looking at the symptoms and and people's own accounts of their experience with ADHD. You know, so it's not just like, oh, this is I'm kind of making this up. And then maybe even asking people in my life who are close to me. So I'm kind of wondering about my behavior with time Mm -hmm. and them saying, oh, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> that way that makes you go uh there's something there <laughs> you know so so that's an exploration yeah. where we're not jumping to conclusions but we're open to the possibility of reviewing our own experience through a specific lens yeah. like ADHD or depression or you know what what am i experiencing with anxiety you know those are all valid questions we could be asked what one of the things that i've been doing recently when it comes to people especially saying the you know oh i'm just a little adhd is i actually follow that up now with do you actually think you might be and uh, mm-hmm. what i've been doing actually is i've been sending those people to uh jessica's uh youtube channel for how to adhd i'm just like just watch a few of these videos and see if you connect with anything <laughs> yeah but uh you know, the, but then follow that up with Jessica like Jessica McCabe at how to ADHD. Yes. But then <laughs> also, said. you know, following that up with like, that's not a diagnosis, though. If you actually do relate with that, please go talk to a mental health professional. <laughs> well, I, I have conversations with people like, you know, just doing what I do. Friends have come to me in the past and said, hey, you know, I'm worried that I'm, you know, I or they, I even I, similar to you, Trevor. I'm like, well, you mentioned this a lot. Yeah. Is this a legit concern for you? And sometimes they're like, yeah. And, you know, I, you know, being ethical, I'm like, okay, so obviously I can't diagnose you. I'm not your therapist. I can never be your therapist, but I'm just curious as a friend, what makes you think that, what gives you pause? What makes you concerned that this might be a challenge in your life? And then we have a very honest conversation. Uh, We make a very, we have a very honest conversation about it. They explore and I'm like, okay, cool. Well, it sounds like you've been thinking about this for a while. Do you have somebody, what's your next step to, to go check this out, to see if this is a legit concern for you or Mm -hmm. not, or if this is some variation of typical concerns or experiences. And then we talk that out just very logistic, you know, very casually, but reverently. Mm -hmm. Um. I actually think that for for the next part, I want to go with the the, the viewer question that we've got because I feel like it, it's a good segue into it. Uh, but remember, if you have any questions, you can put those in chat uh, with question, and then Cole Mark and the question are awesome mods. Mars and Martin will grab them, put it into a question doc for me. But uh, let, let, let's let's talk about this one. This is from uh, WH Publications, <laughs> very official. Um, uh, does going into a meeting with a health professional with a diagnosis already in your head affect the process of getting an actual diagnosis like if like say the let's let's say it's somebody who is because this actually isn't quite one that we really talked about where it is you've looked into it and you've decided in your head that you do have this oh i think there's a difference between decided in my head and exploring the possibility Mm -hmm. i think it's it's fine to go in with the idea that hey, something's going on and I'm wondering if it's this. 
because your health professional will be able to broaden that out into what else might be happening or why it looks like this. And they have the skill to ask some of the questions to help you really think about if that's your experience or if this is your experience, you know, to make make that clearer. Um, but if you go in with the idea of arguing with your health professional because you're absolutely sure it's this, yeah, you know, that that's not super helpful for you, you know? Um, I, I, I autism brain is kicking in there. Does it alter the process of going in to see your professional? Yes. Any question you have alters the process. Yes. However, then practical brain is just like, wait a minute. No, that's not what they mean. Um, well, it, 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 uh, it to, to jump off that for a sec, it kind of, it does alter the process because if you come to, if someone were to come to me in a therapy setting and say, Hey, I suspect this might be going on for me, then what that tells me is this is an area we need to focus on. I don't, I don't have to, you know, start wide and then narrow it down. We have a starting point, which yes, technically changes the typical process. Mm -hmm. However, that's not necessarily a bad thing because that alerts me to what your concerns are just right out the gate. Mm -hmm. Yes is like i mean i i i guess I, what i want to ask is like is it weird i'm putting bunny ears on that for audio listeners uh is it weird to go in there and just essentially say like i uh, about 99% sure i have this and, and like it, it does that is, is that considered to be a faux pas or anything when it comes to going into a therapy session no no not at all. I Not mean, I don't. Therapist. That's right. <laughs> That's I, fair. I don't. Yeah, the process of therapy for me, because um, I don't diagnose, but it is like, okay, let's explore why you think that. Let's explore what's going on. Are there any other family members who are, who are dealing with this? What's your experience and exposure to this? I, I certainly, if you come to me and you say, um, well, you know, my sister and brother have been diagnosed with ADHD, and I think I have it too. Uh, you know, that's different than I don't know anything. About, <laughs> I've done a little research, and I think I have this, right? There's a because tell me about your experience with this, and tell me what you're feeling and dealing with, and we go from there. Mm -hmm. So, a lot of people come in with ideas about what they might might have, um, and sometimes they're looking for a diagnosis actually sometimes it would be a relief to have some kind of diagnosis yeah. because they can't make sense of their mm -hmm. or at least what they're seeing is that my behaviors and response to things are not the same as other people's i'd really like to understand why yeah so. and it certainly was for me i mean again with my with my autism diagnosis um for me to for for me to have that late people talk about how labels are useless and i will say labels mm. are useful within a certain con like any tool they have they have a range of utility and if you use any tool outside of that range of utility it is useless if i try and use a claw hammer as a drill well good luck on that <laughs> um it's it they are different tools and so my the, getting that label uh of uh, being autistic Oh my God, it made my life make so much, so much more sense. And also it was validating because I wasn't, I wasn't weird. I mean, yes, I'm weird, but, <laughs> but not for the reasons people think. And 
it meant that there were enough people who struggled with similar issues that there was a name for it. Yeah. That was a huge relief. Did did you I can't remember. Did you go in uh with any kind of uh um like suspicion that yeah. you yeah? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um and it was well it was also a little extra tricky in my case because one, given I'm a mental health professional in my area and I'm, I have a public facing job and a bunch of mental health professionals have volunteered for my organization. Um, and also people who specialize in adult autism are fairly rare oh. for me to find someone who could do neuropsych testing that one, I didn't know. And two, could dance around the fact that I was also trained on the, all the common Mm-hmm. measures so it was sort of an interesting process to find somebody who could use this, mm-hmm. the tests i didn't know yeah <laughs> um, yeah mitra i actually have the same question for you with, uh, with adhd did you have a suspicion about that i did um i because i could see that the behaviors as i said that i had all kinds of tools to manage um that that was not what everybody else's experience was that that other people could manage their organization quite differently than than me and it didn't seem to be as much effort and i think this was it i had i had thought that i was doing it wrong or that everybody experienced it as an effort and to recognize that that wasn't true was helpful the other piece was understanding more about my own experience with hyperfocus mm-hmm. so at one point um i had thought that Hyperfocus was avoidance of something, right? Because, oh. because you know, sometimes when people are experiencing a lot of anxiety, it can look a little bit like addiction because they might be so intensely focused on something else, but it's got nothing to do with it. And this is where we often talk about game and gamer addiction. Like yeah. often in addiction, we're using something else to cope. But hyperfocus has moments where it can feel like that, where I'm so deeply in this, mm-hmm. I'm avoiding that. But am I really avoiding that, right? So when you have experiences that happen no matter when in your life, right? It's not just a crisis, for example, that can put one into hyperfocus. It's just like an everyday, you know, experience of I'm into something and now I've lost, I completely lose track of time or I'm fascinated by something and I want to learn it immersively. Um, and so it was just making sense of how these experiences were outside of the range that I would consider everybody experiences it Mm -hmm. right into something else and um and so yeah it's easy to dismiss your own experience so it took a while for me to figure it out because of that well and and a lot and i think a lot of this also has to do with our fear of the words normal and abnormal Mm. absolutely Um, because i i it's interesting to me how often people euphemize this idea like there's no such thing as normal there there's no such thing as abnormal i'm like but there is it's just not what most people think it is yeah because those concepts are mathematical they're not moral okay it's what two-thirds of people would do in a given situation but also the context of that situation is important and so forth so it becomes a transient concept and but the thing is we so often ascribe moral value of good or bad to normal and abnormal. There are so many quote, you know, statistically abnormal experiences that are wonderful to have. Um, It is not, you know, two thirds of people will not have a talk show 
weekly go into five seasons with a wonderful gaming studio. This is an abnormal experience and it's wonderful. Yeah, that's true. Right. And we are so scared of that label of of abnormality. Yeah. 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 But I think it's so important to acknowledge abnormality or that which is different in your experience because it allows us to not minimize our own experience. Yes. Right. Because, again, you know, or allow us to allow someone else to minimize it. Now, that's a bit roundabout. But what I mean is this. Um, there are th- and I've seen mental health professionals who, because you're experiencing distress around symptoms you might have, they get in there and rush to reassure. Mm. That's a mistake because it can end up minimizing, not deliberately, and even the client might not be aware of it. But if you come in and you're worried about, am I normal because of these behaviors, and I try to make you feel good, I'm not helping you manage, A, your distress around the behaviors, and B, let's really explore those behaviors. What's happening for you? This is distressing, and that's actually key. If something is happening and it's distressing enough, we really need to look at it, yeah. right? right. And, and you're still normal, good as that's, a human being, that's and the that's thing. the thing, right? Yeah, good and normal are not necessarily the no. same thing. Let's separate exactly. those. Yeah. We need to separate it. You're still, in, you you can still function sometimes. Quite often, you can still function. It's just more difficult. You're not recognizing all of the things you're doing, mm-hmm. all the extra steps you might be taking, right? Because this is typical of your experience. So typical of your experience might not be the norm, but that's okay. It's just that now if you're experiencing depressed, that you're distressed about it and that it is more work, let's look at that. You know, if you have a student who comes to you and they're having huge amounts of trouble doing their homework or it's a lot more steps, I'm going to go, how do I help you work smarter? And this is no different. I'm going to say, okay, let's look at what your experience is and help you figure out what's happening, why you need all these steps how that's distressing for you and what could be different. Mm-hmm. Well, but, but, so. but you're also taking, you're also doing exactly what you said and you're recognizing without moral judgment, the idea that this, this experience, a, and we can use the term expected for the word normal. Mm. In yes. This case, mm. That, that your experiences are outside of the range of what we would expect given both your, your, you know, your age context, your cultural context. Yeah. Um, your cohort context, because there are certainly schools around me in the Seattle area where, you know, if if somebody was getting like a C average at that school, oh, they're getting all A's at a different school. Right. Because they're that difficult. And so this is part of the reason that I, I've got a big soapbox with the term normal. I have a kind of a love affair with it and I want <laughs> to sort of normalize normal. Um <laughs> You know, pun absolutely shirt. intended, and I want to decouple it from the the morality judgments of good or bad, and, or the st- which you know the morality judgment also relates to the stigmas around mental health that 100%. we have, and the discrediting of people. I know, and there's many any number of of professionals um, who are in who are maybe doctors or lawyers or architects or some some profession where you know expertise and being specific and careful about things are important. They may be experiencing really high anxiety, but don't want to see a mental health professional because they're afraid of being discredited at work. Mm -hmm. 
they're afraid that somebody, oh, well, you know, didn't get it that time, must be the anxiety or must be the, you know, <sighs> we don't, we don't want that. We want people to understand and we hope for you um, that it's actually a huge strength to recognize and want to sort out something you're dealing with that may be impacting at least your life and your mood, like, which is everything. Yeah. So I had the silliest example come to mind, Mitra, as you were talking. The Black Knight from Monty Python. <laughs> Continue. <laughs> no, just, to, to be able to not honestly recognize a challenge or something going on, tis but a scratch. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yes, losing your legs. <laughs> like th there's a form of denial there that comes along with this stigma that, no, I am struggling outside of what people would expect versus, okay, um, or to put it in a less silly context, I consistently, I, I'm, let's say hypothetically, I'm five foot one or like a meter and some meter and a half for those of you who use systems of logical measurement. <laughs> Um, Why are you calling me out? The calculations <laughs> going around his head. Sorry. <laughs> I can usually do that faster. But um, the but yeah, it, you're. Oh, how many stone? <laughs> um, <laughs> Thank you, Lord. <laughs> um, the, but if, if, if somebody is consistently on, of a shorter stature and they're consistently not able to reach the top shelf in a workplace environment for them to simply say, well, pff, I'm tall. What are you talking about? I can, I can totally do that. And not, do, I sounded drunk apparently when I said, <laughs> I can totally do that. I, it's, we have to recognize honestly what the limit, what our limitations are. If we're going to bring in accommodations to help us overcome them or work with actually not even overcome them. That's kind of ableist yeah. to work with them. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, I'm never not going to be short, right? And so is there something wrong with having a step stool, right? You know, it's just it's just a tool to help me, you know, reach yeah. that top shelf. So FYI, I put things on the top shelf that I don't need to reach daily because that's an accommodation that makes sense to me, right? I go opposite direction. <laughs> it's a long distance down to Neil. <laughs> <laughs> If I'm not using those pans daily, they go on the bottom <laughs> shelf because I don't want to go down there. That's fair. Um, well, we got to start wrapping things up <sighs> for uh, th for the next show. Uh, but uh, I this really great conversation. Thank you both for uh, for you know having it uh, and sharing it with the chat. So uh, yeah, where can people find you both on the interwebs if they would like to do so? So I'm at uh, mitrajordan.com and of course on Twitter at, at @mitrajordan. That, that's it, really. For me. <laughs> <Just saying. laughs> um, I, I'm the Dr. B. That is T-H-E-E-D-O-C-T-O-R-B uh, -E 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 as in boy. Uh, and But you know who you should, that's on all the socials, but who should be following? Take this org. You can stay up to date on all the stuff that we're doing. And, oh, shameless plug, for, for the Not next shameless. week, we've still got our nomination form open for our Dr. Mark Award for Mental Health Representation in Games Go to take this dot uh, go to take this dot org. Check out the link to there and nominate your favorite game from 2020 2021 that had good, compassionate, stigma free representation of mental health. I know what I want my favorites to be, but I'm not one of the voting committee. <laughs> also, it, it is shameless because th this is your show. Like you, you, you plug what you want. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs>
I do what I want. I do what I want. Put on a fez. I do what I want. All right, let's just do this. All right, coffee, popcorn, everything. Oh, Strahd's here. Strahd's watching. How did I not notice the tiny wine glass? Oh my gosh. I drink blood. Is it normal for me? What's wrong with you? It, uh, you know, That's my absolute terrible Barovian accent. But I'm doing what I can It's here. expected. If if Strahd didn't, didn't drink blood, that'd be weird. <laughs> this is glorious. It is. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at the Trevor. There is an A hiding in there. Uh, thank you so much to our mods, Mars and Martin, for doing a fantastic job. Uh, thank you, Codename Entertainment and TakeThis.org for giving us an opportunity to have these conversations. If you missed any part of the show, you can check it out later on your favorite podcast service at a certain time that I will find out later when I uh, am able to edit it and post it. Uh, if you have any topic suggestions you'd like to uh, send to us, you can send those to Champions of Psychology at CodenameEntertainment.com or just tweet them at us. Uh, uh, like I said, uh, we got stuff coming up right after this. Bardic Inspiration is starting up. Lauren Urban is hosting with uh, with uh, Jason Charles Miller, and they're going to be doing a request show, so be sure to stick around for that. And other than that, we've got a pretty uh, normal uh, s- schedule this week, I believe. So if I'm wrong, check Twitter, because that's where I'll post the updates. But that is going to do it for this week's episode. So until next week, take care of yourself. Bye! Bye. Champions of Psychology is meant as education and entertainment. It is not a substitute for medical advice or professional counseling. Discussion of mental health topics will be primarily rooted in research and the personal experiences and self-disclosures of the hosts. While we can provide generalized education and possible mental health resources, we cannot offer any recommendations, advice, or opinions for any specific persons, cases, or situations. We provide these resources and links at our sole discretion, but have not necessarily vetted or reviewed any resource. We assume no liability for the use of the information or resources on these sites, and we encourage you to use your own best judgment.